Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? More good than is gone. Only you and I remain. Nice to see ya, Jack, who cuts your hair. I'm sheltering in place. This way no one will recognize me. I do. What do you want? Your head! Ha <laughs> ha! And your segment ideas! Ha <laughs> ha! Watch! Happy Halloween, ladies! <laughs> Nuns! No sense of humor! Drew's blade did not cut deeply enough. He was right about you. You're slime. Drew was an effete snob. He died on his knees. I took his head and reaped his Twitter followers before his Drew's clues were even cold. Ha 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 ha! Ah. I see Drew lied. They were not his Twitter followers. They were yours. And he never told you. I wonder why. Perhaps I gave them something you never could. And secretly they yearned for my intros. <laughs> Holy ground, Zimmerlander. Remember what Drew taught you? You can't stay quarantined here forever. You are weak, Zimmerlander. You will always be weaker than I. I'll be out front. Goodbye, Nate Cloud. We will meet soon enough. <laughs> this is a house of podcasting. People are trying to be entertained. You're disturbing them. Real Fields cares about these helpless mortals? Of course it cares. It reviews films for our kin. That shall be its undoing. Father, forgive me. I'm a worm. <laughs> I have something to say. It's better to banter out than to fade away. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Feels podcast. This is host Jack, uh, and we bring you a different movie of a different genre, a fortnightly. fortnightly. And tonight is 1986's Highlander. Because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. I am Connor McCloud. Ah! I am immortal.
Mm. And a goodie. Mm. So who's joining me tonight on this sword and sorcery adventure? Well, I would be one advisor, Drew. Drew Juan Ramirez Villalobos, Jonathan Golightly Hallam. I would be a, a love interest that quickly gets forgotten once I've grown old, Nathan. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh. The, adop- the adopted daughter complex. Will you, will you light a candle for me and remember me on my birthday, Jack? Oh, Jack. Oh, and I'm the Kerjack. Oh, jeez. The Kerjack. The Kerjack. So, uh, Nathan, have you, had you ever seen this one? I watched it earlier this year when, when you'd kind of talked about this is going to be your film and eyes are open, wide open. Um, (laughs) the first time I watched it, I tried to watch it with just a very open, honest, I'm just going to go for it type of, uh, viewing and wow. Yeah. That was something. Drew, uh, your thoughts? I I have seen Highlander before. I, I I actually greatly enjoy Highlander. It's a very fun movie. Uh, also, you know, Nathan, another movie from the year of our birth, 1986. 1986! An- another great thing to come out of 1986. It's a very, very a delightful film. I, I always love the sword and fantasy, you know, stylings, the sequels, not so much. The TV show, I was a very big fan of as a, as a kid. The, the sequel TV show, not so much, but... It's it's all fun. It all wraps together. There were there are lots of different avenues I could have gone with sword and sorcery. I was thinking oh, about yeah. doing like bad eighties or seventies sword and sorcery, like Kroll or Beastmaster, yes. something like that. Yes. But I happened to watch Highlander back in January for the first time and probably about 10 years. And I was like, nope, that's it. Even though the sorcery is a little <laughs> bit subdued, that you know, nobody's actually casting any spells. spells it's more yeah. of a, a subtle element. It's just a fantastic film. You know, it had a budget of 19 million, box office receipts 12.9. So it, it didn't make its money back. But with, uh, uh, you know, home video rentals, it became this cult classic. Mm-hmm. And, and did much better in Europe, you know, than it did in the States. The director commented on the fact that the original poster uh, made Duncan McLeod, Duncan, Connor McLeod look like this very evil looking kind of guy, which didn't give anything away of like what the movie was about at all. It, he, you can kind of like paint an homage to it. It almost looked like a uh, a faux pas, kind of like a racer head poster in a way. It was very dark. It didn't, you know, yeah, it's kind of black and white what too. Highlander was. Yeah, it was very black and white. It, it was not good. So this movie, and obviously spawned a lot of, uh, a lot of recourse, a lot of more uh, follow-ups, if you will. Do you think that when, when people watched it for the first time, that they were like, holy shit, give me more of Highlander. Or was it like, oh, this was interesting. This is cool. This is cool. I'm like, yeah, dot, dot, dot. And then other people were like, you want more? I'm like, I don't know if I want more. And they're like, you got it. More, more, more. <laughs> it ends as a perfect standalone mm-hmm. film. And I honestly think it should have just remained that standalone film. Um, the reason I picked this, besides the fact that it's a great movie, is, you know, during a holiday in the late 80s, this was a video that was rented that the whole family, like, you know, 15 uh, or a dozen people watched together in my grandparents' living room. I remember watching it with Tits them. Tits and all. And, Woo! Uh, <laughs> yeah, well... 
<laughs> were subtly done. They were subtly done. It's dark in it's there. Real dense. But I re- I remember <laughs> like my uncles and my my dad laughing at the scene, uh, the duel in the Boston Commons, because he's immortal and he just keeps on going back for more. He's hammered, and this movie brings a lot of different elements to the plate. I think. It's very fun. I, I do agree with the idea that with Highlander as a whole, take this movie as it is. It It is a complete story. All right. We we go from the beginning of like not knowing who he is. I mean, it's literally Hero's Journey. It's Hero's Journey from start to finish. They didn't expect it to be such a popular film or at least gain popularity as it did, which is why. OK, let's let's make a sequel. Oh, this is what we're adding to the sequel. This is your story. That kind of takes away what we did in the first one. Okay, let's continue. Yeah, I, everything that not, came after yeah. just forgot the last five minutes of the movie. Like They, right. they just pretended right. that didn't happen, which yeah, I, I think was a poor decision. Actually, we'll, we'll cover some of the, the quality progression in uh, later on the episode mm. with this month's Patreon, or this episode's Patreon special. Uh, we'll kind of okay. delve Good. into some of the, the quality decline aspect. Uh, but this movie, I thought, had a lot for it. it. You know, it's got Clancy Brown playing... One of my favorite villains. What a of, big guy! You know, at least the '80s, if not all time. He's so um, big. The, the for he's so big. I mean, for people who are not familiar with who Clancy Brown is, he is the voice of Mr. Krabs. Congratulations, Mr. Krabs. Hello, I like money. His claim to fame. There you go. I really he's done a lot of stuff is, honestly he's done a lot of stuff but like that's probably like one of the most recognizable things if you don't know his face you definitely have heard his voice yeah right? he's done a lot of voiceover work for video games as well uh last i think was he was in mass effect Andromeda. you know that was kind of a shitty game but uh you know he was still in it too uh, also an ohio native <laughs> like me is from urbana ohio which is uh, a little bit northeast of my hometown of dayton the kurgan is amazing as far as that but also this this ties some of the real feels together because the the Bob Anderson, the legendary sword master and choreographer who put together a lot of the duels in Star Wars, later on this year choreographed yeah. the greatest sword fight ever done in modern film for Princess Bride. You are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become so. I admit it, you are better than I am. Then why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. And was also the sword master for all the Lord of the Rings movie, which we did last season for the Two Towers. God bless him. We have a nice way of just somehow, and not intentionally at all, connecting a lot of our movies. Well, and, and then I, there's yes. a, a very nice undertone uh, this season, especially with The Return of the Fields, um, with Sean Connery making another appearance. He's, and guess what, folks? Back. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you ain't done with them yet. We're getting more. <laughs> oh, Highlander, you mean the movie where the Frenchman plays the Scotsman and the Scotsman plays a Spaniard? Who's actually, who's actually, who's actually Egyptian, yeah. Who's actually Egyptian? Yeah, that one. Totally. Even the director was like, I don't know how we got away with that. You Spanish peacock. <laughs> you overstuffed haggis. What is a haggis? <laughs> And it's just another one of those roles where Sean Connery is coming back and he is playing this sort of like mentor aspect to his character. I mean, he did it in Untouchables. He did it in, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Boo. He has Whoa, this. I'm hey, not saying I mean, it's a yeah, good it's movie. Like good, but like, I mean. Don't you I'm solely my Highlander. Like Sean Connery. <laughs> there can be only one. I'm just. 
I'm just saying that John Connery is good at these these <laughs> roles of teaching the younger generation to be better. He is passing on his knowledge. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and so Sean Connery uh, got paid up to do a week's worth of work, which I think is sort of similar <laughs> to the Untouchables. Oh, you showed up in your golf clothes. That's smart. Yeah, that's not my first. Barbecue. I'm telling you, he's got this thing down to a science. <laughs> and then reports from the set. Say that uh, he brought uh, some homemade scotch from one of his friends and was in the bag for most of these the Scotland uh, shooting, which explains a lot of the gregariousness of uh, Ramirez while they're doing the sort of the Luke and Yoda training montage. He also refused to have any training for his sword play, which actually resulted in an injury on set when they were practicing their sword fighting. Oh, uh, there were and lots of injuries on set in this movie. That is, there was lots of injuries, but I mean, especially for him to say like, no, I don't I don't need any you know, training to swing my sword. I don't need this. But I mean, to, for that big scene on top of that huge rock where, you know, Connor eventually like flings Ramirez's katana like away and away. That scene is actually shot in reverse, actually, because it actually looks a lot better for Connor to be doing, you know, his sword play against, you know, Connery's like, you know, trying. Well, it's kind of weird that he phones in the whole entire first monologue. That's true. From his bathroom. <laughs> on the crapper. <laughs> in his Spanish villa where he was trying to perfect his non-existent Spanish accent. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that actually that intro, that place card was just gonna be a filler. It was they were supposed to put something else in it in, in place, but they ended up liking it so much they actually kept it for the film. Well, I think cosmically a lot of things came together for this movie. You know, it wasn't always gonna be Queen. Uh, they were looking at uh, Sting, uh, David Bowie, Duran Duran to do the music, uh, but it ended up being Queen. Queen was only going to do one uh, song, but they uh, fell in love with the viewing of it, so they did four. Uh, there are three additional mm -hmm. songs. Uh, Kurt Russell was supposed to play Macau, but he dropped out to do Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, Sting, Michael... Uh, with At the advice of Goldie Sting, Hawn. Michael Douglas, Richard Gere, Nick Nolte, Rucker Howard, Patrick Swayze, Richard Norton, Peter Weller, Ron Perlman, Liam Neeson, Gary Oldman, Viga Mortensen, Val Kilmer, Bill Paxton, Michael Bean, all Jeff Goldblum, Christopher Reeve, Kevin Costner, Mickey Rourke, Ed Harris, uh, Mel Gibson were all considered for the role of, of uh, Connor McCloud. Uh, that's just amazing that they went with the French guy who could barely speak a lick of English. I'm so glad that you said Patrick Swayze because there's probably Roadhouse. three or four. There's three or four moments where I was just like, why is this not Swayze? Why is he not the lead just given the uh given the goods, you know, dirty dancing style to Well, I mean, I, I think it I think it's really clear he would have to have fit into some pants. And Connor McLeod swearing a kid. I just so we could have had that Brody esque <laughs> hair going yeah, could have had uh, a like a little Chippendales dancing scene. Uh, going on yeah i think i think he actually would have been pretty good but so tell me more about christopher lambert and and how or why they picked him like why they settled on him i'm not maybe drew knows the the why i just know that they did, I, they didn't so, realize so, that, that he'd only been in one english movie and he had had a couple of english right. slides uh it's he had had very few lines in this one film and the and they it's right until they after like they gave him the role and everything was signed and he was he was he was gonna be Connor McLeod they had no idea that he couldn't speak English the director when he saw this movie he focused on you know Christopher Lambert's eyes and he saw his eyes and he's all like that's it it's those <laughs> eyes and that's what drew the director well, and that's in. very important too because 
you know, basically these these immortals are playing like like alpha predators. Like he never shows any sort of fear during the movie. And one of my favorite little scenes is when he's in the uh, police station and the uh, the little patrolman, the mouthy patrolman <laughs> is staring him down and he just gives him the look that unnerves the patrolman. He has to look away. So I, I thought ultimately they I, made a yeah. great choice there without sort of the swinging dick bravado that, you know, Mel Gibson or, or fucking michael douglas would, would fucking try to pull off at this yeah, shit that's true i i could not have seen michael douglas do this well could you have seen lee van cleef no clint eastwood malcolm mcdowell gene hackman michael kane or peter no. o'toole gene as ramirez hackman. Gene, Hack- well, gene hackman would have been interesting yeah gene hackman would have been interesting too peter old tool would have been neat i mean as like much i know no, no no i'm not saying he could have done it i think it would have been neat because i think place. the idea of him being like <laughs> the wizened the wizened old yeah, mortal but, who could have just like taught taught him and like hit him with a stick every time he that's wasn't like true, but that, that's a little too Yoda for me because he yeah. was he was just too too yeah. slight and too sort of the, the years of alcoholism had taken its toll on Peter O'Toole as we saw in uh, in High Spirits. I don't think he could have pulled that off, but mm-hmm. Lee Van Cleef could have been interesting. Michael Caine also would have been interesting. Maybe, but I I like the I like Sean. I oh, like no. Sean being perfect. The role. It's perfect. It, it's also. I mean, with with this Highlander sequel, Highlander Two, unfortunately, but it is also the only role that Sean Connery has ever played where he repeated the same character that was not 007. Oh, well, fuck yeah! Well, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what did you guys think of the first sword duel down in the uh, the bowels of uh, of Madison Square Garden, which which was actually shot at a market in England? I, I was wondering why a blonde Agent Smith was suddenly jumping out of the shadows. Well, that was, uh, I think his name was... <laughs> like, Connor. His name was Paul Diamond, and Alan that was Moore? actually the stunt coordinator oh. for the for the movie who played Fazil. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like the setup, how you, know, you sort of think, oh, did he accidentally step on the can? No, he's announcing, like, I'm here. You can come out. Let's fucking do this right. shit. He, his his immortal spider senses were yeah. tingling, and uh, he just he had to go for it. I mean, he even said like he tra- like Connor doesn't necessarily want to fight because even before they start, he's like Fazil, wait. He's <laughs> like, nope. The the two of them kind of um two of them damaging most of the uh, the parking structure and a lot of the steam. I, it's wildly uh, imaginative apparently. steam pipes. Yeah, a lot of. Like, a lot of steam pipes, you know, right. they run through Lots buildings like crazy because there's a lot of steam going through buildings at any given moment. So, Nathan, I could see you have watching, have been watching Ethan for most of the day. Brooke gets home, you hand off Ethan, and then you say, I'm going to go get on my brand new uh, gaming PC and do some gaming for a little while. And then you backflip continuously out of yep. the room. That's exactly like how Fazil. <laughs> After I set off the uh, fire alarm, just so that way there's water everywhere. Yeah. Right. And water yeah. everywhere. And it's got to be He hasn't perfect. been fed. Be oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll see you in a half hour. But that's one of the other interesting things about this movie is the sort of the seamless transitions between the present day and the past. And I like how it doesn't get the movie really and and you guys may feel differently. You can point out a scene, but I feel like this movie didn't have any real low or slow points. When it started to sort of get that way, it would then transition back to the present or it would head back to the past. 
Mm. No, I, I think you're right. I think in different versions that you can get of this film, where I, now I'm not, I'm not sure exactly which uh, version you guys watched. Did you get a World War II? Yeah. Yes. So yes. everything that was released after like okay. 19 something is the European cut at this point. Whatever you say, Jack. You're the master okay. race. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy ground, Zimmerlanda. I mean, even with that, <laughs> even with that scene, like I mean, it it cut really nicely. I think. You know, where he's talking to Rachel and it's it's not like it went, you know, really slow. I thought that was a, a nice, you know, kind of incorporation of explaining like who this lady is, because she obviously knows who Connor is, like what his history mm. is. Don't be afraid. What's your name? Rachel. What happened? Everybody's dead. Shh. I'm like you. I'm alone. Come with me. Because even when, uh, you know, Brenda comes in and says, like, what can you tell me about a man swinging a longsword at one in the morning in 1985? And she's like, <gasps> she gives that look of like, he's oh, shit, dead. Bro. She knows. <laughs> what but honestly, the pacing of this film is probably one of its strongest suits. Like this really well bouncing back and forth, like you said. And it kind of is like what holds it together. Like, glue-wise, it really does give it a lot of continuity. Anything you have a question about, they instantly kind of go back and go, Hey, I know you have a question about how the hell this happened or why this is going on, but here you go. So, I appreciated that. Even with a back-and-forth training montage, I mean, it's still... It's yeah. still paced rather nicely. And I think I think getting stabbed and then uh, almost dying and, and coming back to life really did Connor McCloud some favors because before he had gone away to that battle, he was dating that sort of that mouthy strawberry blonde girl that immediately after he, you know, sort of heals and comes back and goes from like, oh, make sure you come back to me to he's got the devil in him. It's like, well, the you devil. found that out. So good. So, so I, I think you don't have to be married be most- to that though annoying part we also had a call back to braveheart with the uh you know the one father uh being in that as well mcculloch 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 unite them (laughs) he's a recognizable face you see him in you know game of thrones he he plays a valiant warrior like he is a stoic and heroic person we're talking about james cosmos right you can't help but like him really in almost everything that he's playing yeah so i also think of him um from troy and (laughs) just like uh, they're asking about um like, yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. That we can win this war and he's like we have some of the finest archers in the world and we have hector yes we can win and i keep thinking poor hector he's like dude don't put so much fucking faith in me like come on like i'm not gonna win the whole goddamn war for you uh <laughs> I, I just i love that actor so very happy Let me win this for you <laughs> I won't fall into you. Well, and, and, and while this, <laughs> and while this movie had uh, some some amazing action, the scene where he goes back to Brenda Wyatt's apartment and he brings the cognac and he, he like she's getting dressed in the other room and putting on his earrings and he he sees the cop out the window. He finds the forty five tucked away. He finds the tape recorder and just the little like smirking and smiling he's going on. And then, oh, is that a gift for me? Yeah, it's your book. I know who the fuck you are. Like, I thought that was a 
cleverly written scene that just gave me a little bit of a nice like a giggle and a, and a smirk to kind of go along with all the the action and the bloodshed that is in this movie it was pretty funny i do love her opening the book and going you son of a bitch then why How is that you know? bald cop outside what are you what are you gonna shoot me with the 45 or turn <laughs> off the tape right i'm not i'm not with him jeez I think it's the second time that I laughed in the film. I think the first giggle that I got was in the first battle where the priest <laughs> takes the guy, slits his throat and says, forgive me, my son, and then just lets the body drop. And that's the first giggle that I got in there because I love the fact that, like, you know, he's leading everybody with his cross and he's all like, for the clan McLeod, God be with us. And then he pulls out a dagger and kills someone as well and going like, God be praised. Forgive me. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a little unfair. You got, like, the father doing the... Well, because, like, who's going who's gonna to go and attack a priest in the middle of a battleground? Like, I think that they all, like, have the respectful ideas of, like, oh, he's there to pray over the wounded or anything like that. But, man. I think it's a little you know, hilarious that, uh, like, everyone, like, was must have been given a uh, picture of McLeod before the battle. And they're like, hey, this guy, don't attack him. And they're like, oh, <laughs> yep. Wait, wait. Let me look. Let me look. Yeah, yeah that's him. Don't touch him. I'm like, how the hell? Nobody will fight battle? me. <laughs> Heather, please! <laughs> I love the guys. He's like, find me! Oh no, not him! Oh. Not him! <laughs> I, it's it's weird to think like exactly how the spider senses, the the immortal senses, are tingling because even even the Kurgan already knows that he is an immortal. For some reason, I get the impression that he already knew that he was an immortal because he says like, "There is one called Connor." Yes. No one touches the boy. And even before he was going to, you know, he stabs him. And then before he was going to cut off the head, he proclaims the whole, there can be only one. And you're only going to say that to another immortal when but you're dueling. But they say that you can feel them like like a, a sickness in your, like a stomach ache almost suddenly. But you're, yeah, same thing with, with uh, Ramirez. Like, how the hell did he figure out, like where he was but i don't i don't really think that's with as whacked out as this movie is that's not something that i'm gonna waste my time really dwelling on i mean they tried to hide the obvious wires at the last scene with these special effects that highlighted the wires <laughs> yeah. so when you're working with those sorts of issues yeah. I'm, I'm willing to sort of gloss over some of these uh these other inconsistencies Right. I, I think the overall, you know, awesomeness of the movie can kind of gloss over certain continuity issues. I, I would agree there. But I think like just for understanding like who and what the immortals are, that just rattles in my head. But that's just Well, if you really wanna you could watch you could watch all the sequels in the and the, the series and then eat a bullet at the end of that if uh if you if you really want more information, folks, for about the Highlander. But again, we'll cover that in the Patreon <laughs> special coming up later on this episode. <laughs> do you like how he uh how he deals with the cop uh in the interrogation room and like it's like oh you are you a fag and he's like why wow, you cruising for a piece of ass it's like whoa oh good turnaround <laughs> i think you went down for a blowjob and didn't want to pay <laughs> lots it's like, of why do you places? immediately go yeah. to that i'm going down there for a blowjob why why is that what you're going with because i think he I think he's trying to, like, antagonize him. I think he wants him to respond and get angry. No, but I wanted the cop at the end of the film to be gay, and he's just like, Hey, McLeod, I just, I just wanted to let you know, I, <laughs> I totally respect what you were they doing. They pass by, like, the stone wall, uh, the stone wall in, and, and uh, the so cop brave. is out front with his boyfriend or something. <laughs> Unless he's trying to go off of, like, some type of, like, stereotyping and saying, like, Oh, he deals with antiques. He must be a fancy man. Oh, you fancy pants. Ah, kitty cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, uh, you know what happens with antique dealers that stick their noses into things? They get them cut off. <laughs> <laughs> they get broke. <laughs> yeah. The pottery gets broke. But I also like the the juxtaposition of the the Kurgan and the Highlander. Like the Highlander's got this amazing apartment, you know, down in the city with his like secret antique rooms and his conversation pits and the kurgan stops in at like a crack motel uh picking up prostitutes and uh you know like doing doing shadow fighting in his it is uh his bedroom there signs in as a uh, victor kruger yeah that's true hi i'm candy <sighs> of course you are it's a weird um, comparison to to Die Hard two or three uh, when the guy is practicing naked in his room. You're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Uh, oh, it's it's his like you know me time. I think that was two. <laughs> that's what we call it, the me time number two, the me time. But I mean, this is also like you know it's interesting enough to see like the. I'm dip- playing with my sword, honey. Leave me alone. And that's it. Like speaking of the sword, like it's it's interesting to see the unique aspect of like how the immortals are walking around like with their weapons. Like you have D- uh, Connor who is walking around with his trench coat, and that's how he's hiding his sword. The Kurgan apparently uh, keeps it dismantled in a briefcase, and he's able to like you know you know Lincoln logs it together. <laughs> Lincoln, <or whatever>. lo- <laughs> hold on, hold on. I, I gotta get. Where's yeah. the hilt? <laughs> I feel like there were genuine Highlander fans walking around in trench coats, and then Columbine <laughs> just ruined that for everybody. Ooh. Yeah, the, too soon. The the trench coat got too soon? got a bad rap. Stop it, both of you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so are we are we okay with Roxanne Hart um, mm-hmm. as the love interest? Because I think that she starts out very hot. End of the film. I don't know what's going on with the makeup department, but that was not okay. She was, <laughs> she was not. <laughs> I mean, I would say that his love interests definitely got better looking. Is that what you want to grow old with, though? I mean, you're immortal. Come on, pick him. No, I, I think the 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 one he ended up with after he got banished was the the pick of the litter. Honestly, I yeah, I thought she was very pretty. She was very attractive. Roxanne Heather Pease. <laughs> That was such a weird line. Like, he's just pleading, Heather, please. Light a candle for me. (laughs) On my birthday. (laughs) Don't look at me. Where are we? You're wearing your your sheepskin boots that I made for you. Oh, gods, what a woman. (laughs) Give us a wee bit of scalping. (laughs) She has huge tracts of land. (laughs) And then I built a castle on a swamp. And it sank. But then I built another castle. Oh, Lambert. <laughs> Connor McLeod. When Sean Connery yeah. uh, decides to finally uh, make his appearance and we're, we're good with the choice of his backstory, everything with him, we're, we're good with all that. I would have liked more backstory, honestly. Yeah. I, I want to know exactly how an Egyptian somehow transposed himself to Spain, but then acquired the Scottish accent. And then to Japan, and yeah. And then, well, I mean, like, Japan, I could see getting him, you know, going back and forth. But, I mean, you're right. Like, Japan was far before he became, you know, the chief metallurgist for the for the king of Spain. Her name was Shakiko, and she, like this, was one of a kind. But the man that uh, he mentioned, like, made the sword for him was a real Masamuni. swordsmith. Yeah. But he existed about, I think, 1,500 years later than was depicted in this yeah, movie i think that too right. many mind <laughs> fold fold the soul fold the sword twice <laughs> too many fold 
Maybe both. I mean, you you oh. even have the one other random occurrence of an immortal, and it's the uh, the guy that he saw on the bridge, and he gave him the alcohol, and he's like, "Let's go party." Okay, what is that about? I thought that was a. No, no, it was. I didn't say it was a bad thing. I just, I like the fact that you're seeing more immortals. I mean, there were cut scenes from the movie where the Kurgan fights another, uh, another immortal in an office building, and he's dual wielding swords and fighting the Kurgan and loses. Yeah, well, he he comes back in, I think, the third one, and, you know, so that's fun. (laughs) Yeah, so... When you have the Kirgan just kind of like mollywopping everyone and everyone's kind of, honestly, he's just <laughs> destroying them. But then you have the other ones kind of like, you know, Ramirez and McLeod all like being friends when really this is the Hunger Games, basically. There's only going to be one winner. So like, I get it. You want to like kind of keep making friends. But isn't it kind of <laughs> weird that like they're already down to two? Oh, come on, Nathan! Come on. Did you ever play a laser tag with your friends and it was free for all? <laughs> but you stuck together with your buddy towards of the course. end, and then you separated. I don't know if we separated. I think we literally <laughs> just kept playing until the time ran out. We're like, oh, really? Just, just each of you, like you know, aim at first each other. and second place. Oh no! <laughs> <We> were, uh- <laughs> Too many minds. Too many minds. I do enjoy the kind of like fantastical element of how powerful supposedly the immortals are swinging their weapons like Connor swinging and breaking and not only chipping a little bit of a sword into a giant cement pillar and then the Kurgan knocking down castle walls and also the scene where he's chopping down the the uh, silver cup sign the silver cup sign I mean the scene where he breaks into the castle uh, to basically attack Heather and more importantly Ramirez that was the scene where Clancy Brown got so nervous outside he barged in and he was supposed to cut the table in half he hit the chandelier at first he nearly decapitated sean connor speaking of like not being able to see anything and still swinging a sword christopher lambert is apparently half blind Mm. (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's that's smart let's pick this (laughs) guy who doesn't speak good english who can't (laughs) see like to do a sword fighting (laughs) film who picks these people who picks them? <laughs> but uh, the the one scene where the Kurgan is uh, sort of pirouetting in a 360 and slicing through each consecutive support on the Silver Cup sign. Uh, ask Anna, that's me on a Friday night oh, yeah. when we don't have the boys and I've had about half a <laughs> bottle of bourbon. I'm just, just pirouetting through the, yeah! the townhouse. Just, ah, ah. <laughs> and Anna's just tied up. Uh on like the, the staircase going like help me help <laughs> I, I don't have to give you that intimate <laughs> of a view into what goes on here yeah these, these are private matters Christopher Lambert I mean I, I I do like him as a choice for Conor McLeod I think he's a lot a lot of fun uh, despite you know also having to learn English for the role but he has such a stoic way of just like delivering his lines and it's memorable for future roles that he had for like you know playing Raiden in the Mortal Kombat film which I really liked him as uh, yeah I can't say if I can summon an opinion on that. It's a it's a dud of a movie, so it's kind of like, I mean, y- yeah, sure. It's probably one of the better. It's sort of like comparing <laughs> dust bunnies that you sweep out from under your bed. Like, <laughs> it's a good dust yeah. bunny. <laughs> You're the pick of the litter, I dust like bunny. Dust. Oh, is that a little piece of Anna's hair in you? We're gonna dress you up, put you on the nice pretty thing. girl hair doll. <laughs> I make hair dolls out of you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Oh, fuck. So what did you guys like the last fight scene? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the last fight scene was a lot of fun. It's I mean, definitely from like, you know, the falling through the glass and hitting the floor. It was just nonstop. They were immediately back up. Of course, then Brenda had to uh, come in and hit the Kurgan with a like a two by four. And he's like, the fuck did you just do? I love how the Kurgan just like dismissively slaps that out of her hand. Oh, yeah. And then she's like knocked out. Get out of here with that shit. I always wondered, like, was there a better option? I mean, it's it's more visually appealing to see the uh, the the baby pins in his neck, okay? But like, was there a better option that he could have thought of than putting those around his? It's neck? It's pretty punk rock. Or did they just probably? Or or did they just like want to do? You know, I mean, I think prosthetic. it was just like the the punk rock, and he was trying to, you know, that was his disguise. He he wanted to wear a a fucking suit and a bowler hat. Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, he wanted to make it fancy. Uh, Clancy Brown wanted. That's what he wanted the Kurgan to be wearing, which it could have been in- interesting. A little bit more of like a, a more sinister, rather than a brutal. A little appearance. yeah, a little the you know homage like clockwork. I just hope that he creepy. took that armor home after filming this. When you know the the armor that he has in the beginning. Because first of all, I have no idea what animal that skull is supposed to be of. It's definitely a big cat. It's from Castle Grayskull. It's badass. <laughs> Love it. He came from Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Fucking Orko Master brought him. Or whatever is. <laughs> beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep Gwildor. But for the last fight, I, I do really like the lighting and like the... Even mm-hmm. though, like, the, the fight scene, I mean, it didn't necessarily, like, moves-wise, uh, like, break any, you know, molds, but it, it looks really well done, and especially for the time, I'm sure that it was just, like, like bonerific, if that's a thing. And I, I, I like sword fights that are choreographed like that, probably because all the... The guy who choreographed all these sword fights choreographed all the movies that I love watching. But I like the more measured, you know, powerful strokes, quick repasts, rather than this sort of jazzercise that we got with the prequels, where it was more of like, (laughs) let's see how fast and flashy we can do this uh, without actually accomplishing anything. Mm. Which is why I love the sword fights in the original series, the original trilogy, so much. Uh, even though, like, the Obi-Wan and Darth Vader one was kind of slow and plotting, but... It's two older guys, yeah. Return of the Jedi was was good. Well, you get a lot more emotion with, with that, where Luke is just unleashing. Yeah, oh my Never! gosh, so good. <laughs> Which this, um, so I wanted to go back real quick to, like, what we were talking about, the World War Two little scene which i honestly thought that may have been one of the best decisions i loved it i explained rachel Mm -hmm. and just gave gave a little bit more like personality to him it gave him like a reason to be i don't know to to have something and he's he's not just this aloof immortal going through time like he he makes connections with the the mortals it shows that he can trust so all the stuff that he has in that room I thought about this on the second watch because I thought, okay, he's not a time traveler. He's not going collecting or well, I think of Christian Hayden. Was it Jumper or Put? Oh, yeah. It's and like, jumper. he's like a, robbing banks and stuff like that. And he's like able to like move through. He, he nightcrawlers. Yeah. He has to be able to see. Now, 
where he's been. There's there's that, but this is a very different thing. So he's taking all these things from history and literally like lugging them back to his house and then having to pass inventory all that catalog. Oh, come on, Nathan. You've fucking played Elder Scrolls. You find your castle, you buy a house, and you fill it up with shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm overcumbered. Uh, I'm going to drop this dish. I don't need... (laughs) <laughs> I already got three of these guns. <laughs> His little sitting room, though, I, I wanted more of like a slow pan look at everything along that circular room because I'm thinking like, this is his life. These are things that are important to him because if you look in that room, you have Ramirez's uh, peacock vest is in that room. So it, it's it's all his history. It's everything that's like important to him throughout his time. It must be worth millions. Yeah, which shows a lot about him. I love the the cognac, the brandy that he or yeah, the brandy that he bought to uh to Wyatt's. Oh, place. when he's like breathing. And, like and I love the little it. scene where he's like 18 bottled in what is it? 18 17 like 83. 18, yeah, you know, the uh Mozart wrote his great mass, the whatever brothers flew their first balloon and and England recognized the independence. Like that's a great right. little again a little flavor scene yeah god damn it i want some 300 year old bird mm, who doesn't mm. <laughs> i'll just have to make do with buffalo trace and hey uh, hey, uh. <sighs> hey hey there that's that's all we need buffalo trace there we go us. if they didn't come for dances with wolves i don't think they're coming for highlander but we can hope we can hope, we can hope. They they said they said hope. that they had already uh, given out their like you know sponsorships for the year, but they did add us to a list to uh, come back to. So <laughs> Maybe. we're on the list. This <laughs> is one of Clancy Brown's like bigger roles too, because like he's been in like Starship Troopers. Oh. Put your hand on that wall. The enemy cannot push a button if you disable his hand. But he was in Shawshank. Shawshank. Yo, he's done other big things. He was in a great HBO series called Carnival, where he played the villain in that. That was a. We don't talk about Warcraft at all. Um, We just don't. We just bypass that. But but he was in that. Yeah, there we do. So yeah. I mean, I've never played Warcraft except for like Warcraft Three. I've never played the world of Warcraft. Well, I, I'm talking about the movie. movie. So, the, so the watching movie. that movie, I just I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was like, this yeah. is happening, and that wizard's kind of a dick, and yeah, I don't really know. It's like it's like if someone tried to if Tell someone planes. tried to make a movie of your life and was just getting everything wrong and just making it really shitty, and you're like, I hate you. I hate everything about you. You're you're. <laughs> Yeah, if you go if you go into World of Warcraft knowing any of the canon and lore, you're just watching. You're like, no, this is no. not how I've dreamed about no. it for six years. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> It's that little late. It's that like you know cartoon segment of the lady from uh, Family Guy. Oh no, oh, David, no. I don't like this at all. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but overall, I mean, I I think this is a pretty uh, solid movie. Yeah, I think the only the only thing that probably could have been done differently, or maybe was the the weird, you know, up yours Moscow 
street vigilante like you know where he's yelling at himself as he's approaching fight like go 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 it's like no you don't do that come on marine come on keep your position you know your approach quiet and then if he really was a marine or uh, any member of the armed forces after emptying his clip into this guy he would have slotted another fucking clip into his gun like he wouldn't Double just be like oh, tap yeah, oh, slip, put and a clip I, in that i want to know right shoot him shoot him again i want to know how the hell he survived being not only like stuck through with the sword but then being lifted into the air with it i mean i know there are miraculous survival stories he should not have been yeah. one of them maybe he's just one hell of a model american i don't feel safe how did you survive america <laughs> America. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing the the Fuck U.S. Yeah. Constitution underneath his shirt. <laughs> you can't pierce the Bill of Rights. <laughs> Don't worry, our current president's got, got a plenty plenty good enough job of doing that already. Whoa. Anyway, should we do segments? Segments. So our first segment of the evening is. There can be only one. Congratulations, you're an immortal. What time period are you from? What type of sword do you use? What's your backstory and what do you do now for a living? Obviously, the options of a Scot that wields a claymore and owns a private antiquities business are off the table. But you still do have a world of possibilities. Okay, sure. So, my name is Caden Odinan. I am, I was born in 1358 in New Ross, which is near uh, County Wexford of Ireland. I died, however, in the Battle of Ross Mahickthruan, which was to uh, be against the uh, the Norman leadership in order to free this You uh, had a first death, yes, but what about second death? <laughs> second deaths. <laughs> what about second deaths? What about second? I know about them. So... At the time, of course, about of after dying, I had to, you know, get myself away, you know, a little bit from the area in which I grew up in, Ireland, kind of a small island. However, taking... Is it your island? My island, of course. <laughs> there, there we go. That's what I was looking for. Venture <laughs> off to, uh, you know, England, where uh, educating myself, very uh, prominent in not only reading and writing, but uh, getting myself into some theater. Surprise, right. surprise, so, Drew. Surprise, surprise. 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 <laughs> are, 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 you, are you making an appearance on the stage of the globe? It's possible. It's possible. You never know. So it's coming my into fantasy, the future, Jack. It's my fantasy. It's my fantasy. <laughs> coming into the future, uh, I would be. I, I would like to think of myself being like a a rare book collector. All right. So uh, dealing in rare books. Uh, also, kind of like the idea that I brought up in a previous episode, like being like a dramaturgist. So knowing the history. Are you in just order setting yourself films. up to be in the library, a librarian <laughs> from that show, The Librarians, that you like? Noah Wild? Well, hey, hey now, you <laughs> That's back a good off show. Noah Wild, you back it's off. It's kind of like all Warehouse right, 13, right, no. which continue, is also Continue, continue, continue. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, okay, dealing in rare, you know, rare and ancient books, but also like doing the dramaturgy type of thing. I would be found wielding, however, a Celtic leaf blade, which were mm-hmm. brought about in the 5th century BC, in the early models. So one of the kind of like most idyllic uh, visuals that you could probably represent from it is that uh, Sting. Sting looks like uh, a Celtic leaf blade a little bit. I dig. Okay. So if you uh, if you went with a Celtic leaf blade, it's shorter. A Celtic uh, leaf uh, sword, a little bit longer. I wouldn't get your hopes up, laddie. 
Most swords get their names from great deeds and battle. <laughs> this one's more like a letter opener. I like it. I like it. So yeah, my backstory. Growing up in the heart of Copenhagen, I was named Thorlik Ufkinsonson, <laughs> where I lived in raided villages with my brothers. I bounced around parts of Ukraine and then finally found myself dipping into warmer climates of North Africa. Somehow, I wound up fighting for the English in the Second Battle of El Amon. Uh, that's in World War II. Uh, the year is now 18, uh, 1984, and I'm an 80s ski and skate shop owner. <laughs> and I have changed my name many a times, but it's now Leek. Pulls up Tilson. My sword of choice is... Jack, stop laughing so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my sword of choice is a long sword, and it's going to be in the shape of the master sword from Zelda. Wah, wah. <laughs> my fantasy, not yours. What? <laughs> I just, I, I, I love it. I just want I every time that you draw that sword to, to, for it to, you know, make the noise. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and you, and you oh. don't pull it out of a trench coat. You play that, you know, play the ocarina of time to summon it. Yes! <laughs> that's where the pony and you know it. No, no, <laughs> Nathan, what is I'm that? Out. It's an ocarina, sir. Bring it up, bring it up. <laughs> Put on the desk, man. <laughs> Jack. So, uh, my my uh, immortal, uh, his his name is uh, Titus Pullo. He was born around uh, 70 BC in the Roman seaside town of Ostia. His first death occurred during the Battle of Elysia, helping complete Caesar's conquest of Gaul. He left the legion afterwards and roamed the surrounding lands, armed with his standard-issue Roman gladius. During this time, he developed an interest in preserving meat either by curing, smoking, or the evolving practices of sausage-making. He appeared next during the reign of Charlemagne, <laughs> where he served as his holy Roman meat uh, alchemist, also known at the time as Diversmeister. Diversmeister. <laughs> Diversmeister. His likeness has also been discovered in a few pieces of Italian Renaissance art, armed now with a Viking or Carolingian-style sword. He was linked to the Medici and thought by some to be the shadow power behind the dynasty, known simply during this time as the Salumist. If a political enemy refused to capitulate through bribery, they might find a salami or some charcuterie on their bedside table marked with an eagle and the broad X or Roman numeral 10 for the Legers, uh, Caesar's 10th Legion. This was noted by Machiavelli in The Prince as sending them a sausage they can't refuse. <laughs> in the 1980s, he resurfaced... <laughs> In the 1980s, he resurfaced in the Midwest as Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago, uh, before disappearing again from public view. Presently, there are rumors of an artisanal sausage and cured meats purveyor residing in the, the Pacific Northwest. The motto on his sausage brand reads, accept no imitations, there can be only one. Oh, I feel like Jack, Jack went just went straight up like, like Carmen Sandiego with <laughs> all of this, like... Popping up in history yeah, a little here bit. There. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that was going to make them a sausage they can't refuse. That was pretty fun. I like that a lot. Thank you. Uh, so the next one is, uh, I am a mortal. I have inside me blood of kings. Wow. 
Uh, Queen contributed four songs helping to make The Highlander an iconic piece of East cinema. What band or singer-songwriter would you pick to do the soundtrack for your Highlander character uh, that you made in the previous segment? As you are immortal, the musicians could be living or dead. Bonus points, pick a song for them that would be your intro or battle anthem. So I am going with the uh, popular but not so popular Dragon Force, which I think is one of the most epic... And they're so crazy, but, uh, and the song that I would choose would be, um, Hero of Our Time. It's just a insanely good song. Great s- guitar solos, sweeping riffs. I love it, uh, and that's definitely to my character. Would you say there's a fair amount of shredding going oh, on? Oh, it's the whole thing is just shredded cabbage, just shredding, just. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So this would actually be during one of uh, the fight scenes as this 80s uh, ski and, you know, shop owner going downhill, sword fighting, (laughs) going off the jumps and like, clink, 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 clink. Because they're going to lose the, they're going to lose their ski clubhouse to the rich developer if he doesn't win the race off, right? Exactly. And it turns out that he's also an immortal and there can be only one owner of the ski lift. So... Here we go. Game on. Dragon Force, hero of our time, Jack. Uh, I went with uh, Led Zeppelin, who would do the soundtrack, but uh, for the intro music, which I envisioned being sort of a montage of, uh, you know, coming back from present day to his past, is the Battle of Evermore. It's it's it rocks, but I mean it's it's also got a mandolin in it, so it it's not your usual power ballad, um, but it has a lot of great Young references. Man, take a look at my life. Yeah, exactly, the <laughs> Nazgul, and uh, you know I, I think it's a it's a great little song. I've been in love with it since I was in high school, and I knew right off the bat that it had to be Led Zeppelin, and that one just tickles my ditty, makes my bird twitch. It's good. It's a good song. Through. So uh, I went with a little bit of a, of a different, you know, band. Uh, I was kind of torn between two. I was I was almost thinking like Thirty Seconds to Mars. Uh, they have some good songs that are about like you know being heroic. And but I went with Black Veil Brides, and the song is Days Are Numbered. Everybody. 
I really enjoy this band. Actually, it's, I mean, as Nathan put it, it's kind of like a, a softer puddle of mud in a way. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but I mean, if you look at some of their pictures, it's almost like if Puddle of Mud uh, got, you know, dragged through a hot topic, essentially. They, <laughs> they, they're very kind of like emo, gothy uh, looking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's also very appropriate, uh, you know, for this song and not only just kind of how a little bit of rock it's playing out, but also the lyrics. I mean, it, it's, you know, saying that, like, you know, we're all eventually going to die. We're, you know, ha- counting down the days and it's not going to be a pretty one. And I think that's kind of the looming feeling of all the immortals that are on the planet as well that have to, you know, know that inevitably they will come to the gathering and all will die but one. Uh, and I think it's, uh, I think... It's a really appropriate song. I think it's a, a fun listen. Black Veil Bright. Yeah, we we exchanged our uh, song picks before the episode. It was it was very uh, interesting and fun listening to the the songs that everybody picked. I liked them. Mm-hmm. All right. The yeah. uh, the next segment, honey, I'm going to be talking about the before time. Did you want to leave the room? The olden days, if you will. <laughs> All right. Uh, this uh, so this segment. I came up with the idea and just the the title of the segment made me laugh so hard that we had to keep it running. It's called uh, I Can't Get Off Unless You Stab Me. Now, let's explain <laughs> no, that title. I am, I am. Because we did not just... Dis- Okay, okay. So, because <laughs> we did discuss so that. So, in, yeah. in one of the stranger <laughs> scenes of Highlander, where McLeod tells Brenda White the truth about himself being immortal, uh, and then he prove it by making her stab him, and then while like she's still pretty much clutching the knife they proceed to start making out and then proceed to make passionate love and you get a little of the the classy brenda white side boob there very classy have you ever been in a situation where something happened that probably should have been a deal breaker and in spite of it still the two of you got in the sack together so as anna is uh going out front because uh, she does not like hearing about this before time, and that was probably the door slamming, and I'm going to pay for this later on. Uh, I'll go first. So uh, it, I was in my early 20s. It was the first time getting serious with a gal, and I was suddenly seized by that clenched gut, cold sweats, churning belly that foreshadowed like just a sudden emergency. If the bus drops below 55 miles per hour, it's going to explode kind of emergency. Oh, no. And it was not a nonchalant, I'll be right back moment, because most of the clothes had already sort of come off so i had to make mumble uh, mumble some assurances and go have obviously audible explosive diarrhea in the bathroom uh, this this was an efficiency apartment uh the kitchenette was in the corner there was a bed foot on tv a dresser and a tiny bathroom uh sort of in a in a closet almost that had a stall shower so uh i immediately got in that stall shower afterwards to wash the shame off and give the fan time to clear the, oh, uh, Jack. the foul, poor, foul poor Jack. air. <laughs> honestly, I oh, honestly I gave myself about a ten percent chance that she hadn't just le- or that she was still there and hadn't run for the hills, but she hadn't. So that was my probably lucked out on that one. Uh, okay, so I mean, obviously, to keep some anonymity. Uh, for anyone, like, no names. No, I'm not even going to give a timeline. I'll just simply state the fact that uh, 
if someone refers to you by the wrong name oh. Oh. in the midst of like some uh maybe a little bit of foreplay <laughs> were we role-playing i didn't think we were role-playing are we role-playing <laughs> so yeah wrong name sorry, i mean like it, that should i mean that should and uh <laughs> should yeah i mean it definitely brought things to a little bit of a halt and i was just like what <laughs> oh, this uh this story was also in my youth it was probably a little after um firefighting and uh, i was at the sportsman with a couple of my buddies and we found a couple of chicks that we were talking to i went back to you had to put out their flames you know had yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> had to hose them down. Um, whoa. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was spinning my game. I was like really like narrowing in on one girl. Her name is Rebecca, and I was like really just like and everything, Ooh. all the attention going to her. Um, but the friend Cassie, she was the more into me. And at one point, we were we the three of us were back at her one of their like uh, vacation homes, like with their family. And I remember asking, like I don't know, like there was a couple other people there, like some friends. But um, I remember asking Cassie like two or three times, "Do you think Rebecca's into me? Like I'm I'm going for that." Really, I think I have a good shot with that. And she's just like, "No, I don't think so. We should you should give up on Rebecca." And I'm like. No, no, I really think this is going somewhere. I think she digs me. I ended up... Rebecca, too many men. I ended up having sex with Cassie. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awkward. Because I rem- The next day, I thought about it, and I'm like... Lowered expectations. That was a dick move, Nathan. Whoa. Long time ago, but still. Crazy. Oh. Did you... Did, please tell me you used the pickup line that uh, you're gonna you're gonna swamp her brush. <laughs> I don't know if I gave that line, but uh, I'm sure I dropped like <laughs> some stupid cheesy like you know. Uh, hold on, let me oil this chainsaw. Let me pull out my Pulaski. I don't know <laughs> uh, something. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut some line around you and you know back burn. I don't know nothing, nothing. None of this works. <laughs> Uh, oh, very good, uh, audience uh, <laughs> listeners. Thank you for indulging yeah. that uh, <laughs> that segment of ours. Welcome back. Uh, if I'm still engaged after tonight, uh, <laughs> congratulations for me. <laughs> we were on a break. Uh, so, Drew, what would you rate <laughs> this? <week? laughs> this this was this was 15 years exactly. before I even I met don't you. Even know who you were? Like, I don't even know what Bakersfield was. No, I'm just kidding. I did. I did. <laughs> But Drew, what would you rate this? So I would give this movie four out of five head decapitations. Four out of five quickenings. Oh, well, see, I was going to give it seven Ooh. quickenings of the dick uh, out of ten. <laughs> 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 because, you know, there's a couple moments where you uh, you feel it. And it's it's overwhelming. <laughs> Listen, baby, you can quicken all you want, but for me, there can be only one. I know everything. <laughs> I am everything! Nathan, that is perfect. That is perfect because, you know, one of the actors who did play an immortal uh, in the TV series, he did describe that, you know, what the quickening feels like, and he said it just feel like a, a rush of an orgasm. So, seven so, quickenings of the dick, what? I think, is perfect. <laughs> uh, this is like uh, Masha Mooney's daughter, oh, Shakiko. It, like her, is one of a kind. 
can't be remade, redone, or rebooted without losing its magic that keeps it immortal. 199 out of 200 folds in its steel. Boom. A true 80s classic. Boom. No, oh, I was going to say, I'm curious about this uh, Patreon what? that you were uh, teasing at the beginning. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is the uh, this is the Highlander meal prep package. For $2,500, I will provide you with a week's worth of food in the same way the Highlander franchise progresses in quality. <laughs> the first day, we'll have eggs benedict and smoked <laughs> salmon for breakfast. For lunch, main lobster, oh and dinner God. will include the juiciest prime rib you have ever had. The next day, it's sausage gravy, but the biscuits came out of a can. A lobster roll that is under-seasoned and cold rounds out lunch, and pot roast that is dry and a tad chewy for supper. Just a gradual and noticeable decline each day that by the end of the week, breakfast is powdered eggs and spam, lunch is a three-hour-old McDonald's fish filet with way too much tartar sauce, and dinner is just one of those cans of shredded beef jerky chew that uh, people who are trying to quit chewing tobacco use when they still want a wad of foul-tasting <laughs> shit tucked into the corner of their oh mouth. The Highlander franchise, folks! <laughs> so accurately described. Wow. We start up with the good stuff and we end on the shit. Oh. Well, I mean, that I think that is a, uh, a fabulous, a fabulous Patreon. I, I would almost probably put the second film a little bit further down the line and push, uh, you know, the rest of them up just slightly. The second film is the but, canned of shredded oh, oh, uh, beef jerky. Good. Chew. Good. Because yeah. it, it, you, you chew it and you just get kind of nauseous. Mm, it's yeah. just not very good. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find us on the internet? Well, people can always look for us up on Facebook. Just search for The Real Phil's Podcast. You can take a look for us up on Twitter. That is at Real Feels Pod. You can send us an email at realfillspodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, much like the interwebs, you can find us on really any podcatcher out there, guys. Just type in the Real Fills Podcast. You're going to find us. Tell all your friends. They'll be with us forever. Yeah, and uh, join me on uh, Twitter for uh, my cage watch. Uh, I'm uh, just Real Feels, G-I-U-S-T, Real Feels. Uh, we are up above 40 Nicolas Woo! Cage movies at this point. Uh, we're on our fifth <laughs> week. Power week six it. starts tomorrow. So, yeah, uh, come join me for the majesty of Climbing Nicolas that Cage. mountain. Good for you. Definitely. Oh, man. Yeah, no. It's going to be like Frodo and Sam by the end of it. If you won't let me take the <laughs> carry, <laughs> then I'll carry you! <laughs> Do you remember when other movies tasted like Mr. Frodo? <laughs> It's the best salt in all the Shire. Fresh strawberries and cream. <laughs> oh. <To> roast chicken. <laughs> roast chicken? Overall, though, this is a fun movie. It is. It is. It, this was not terribly hard for me to watch no. twice. No, I uh, I got through it and, and yeah, my, found found more to it each time. My, my second watch through was even with the director's commentary, and I found that, you know, again, a little bit even more insightful, of course. And uh, yeah, again, not a hard second watch through. Yeah. yeah. So what's coming up in uh, two weeks? In two weeks, we have War. What is it good for? And yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> everything. <laughs> and then uh, two weeks from there, so in a month's time, we will have medical medicine. So that should Which be. Which, if you go with what I think you're going to go with, I think it's going to be good. If, if it's gonna be good I, stuff. I am going to go with what I am going to go with, uh, it'll definitely be a nice uh, palate cleanser. 
for everything. If you think what I think, I'm thinking. I, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking what you think you're thinking. Eh, let's just not do outbreak. I think there's plenty of real world experience going on with that right <laughs> yeah, now. Everyone can relate. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be a nice palate cleanser. I like it. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for joining us for our uh, sword and sorcery Highlander podcast. Uh, this has been host Jack and Nathan and Drew, and this is the realist and the feelist. There can be only one. Lots of different places. <laughs> How revolting! <laughs> Heather, please! Shakiko. <laughs> it's better to burn than to fade away. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs>